Before I read uh, the scripture this morning, um, please pray with me. Lord, you pray, we pray for open hearts this morning and open minds to hear what you would say to each of us. We pray that Matt would be your vessel as he opens your word to us. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning's reading comes from Matthew 14, verses 13 to 23. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. This is the word of the Lord. What we're doing in 2023 is looking at um, the Lord's Prayer and then using the structure of the Lord's Prayer to look at Jesus in the book of Matthew. And so what we see here is a story with all sorts of, of ramifications and a lot is going on, but Jesus is getting away to pray. That's what I want us to notice, even as we notice uh, the grief that led him there. I'll come back to that in a minute. The this from the first verse is uh, the death of John the Baptist, Jesus' older cousin. Um, And as he feeds the multitudes and then is able to get away to pray. There it goes. Jesus left the noise. And it's not difficult I don't think, to convince you that the world is a noisy place and we benefit from getting away from it, especially to pray the way that Jesus encouraged and in this case modeled. Took him two times to get away from the noise, but he did. You know, the distractions and the diversions and the fatigue, the things that drive us away from spending time communing with the Father, asking him questions, using the six 
part structure of the Lord's Prayer to cast our anxieties on him and ask him for daily mercy. Those things are real, the distractions and the diversions and the fatigue. And so is the reward that we receive for doing what Jesus taught and for what he models here. The reason that we hear the word desolate twice is because it was noisy and Jesus needed quiet to more fully receive in his mind and emotions and his body communion with the Father. The objective of prayer, the reason Jesus teaches how not to pray and then how not to pray again and the reason he tells us to go into our room and close the door, the reason here he goes to a desolate place twice is to fully integrate and engage our mind and our feelings and our body. That's why many of you would like for us to be able to kneel when we pray. Our, this setup is not working for that. We are, um, our upstairs is a little bit better for that. That's why oftentimes when you pray, you pick a specific position. Maybe laying on your back with your knees up is one that Brendan Manning suggests. Although he says you can't fall asleep when you do that. I, I can The goal, the reason Jesus teaches how not to pray and how not to pray and then describes it again is to integrate our mind and our feelings and our body. You know, we have three years of Jesus' ministry covered in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but do you know how many days specifically if you tack up his teachings and where he went and the different people and kind of lay them all out side by side? We only have about just north of 50 days of his ministry described to us. And this happens over and over and over again in those 50 days. Jesus expressing emotions, getting alone in prayer to do that. And yet we won't put it on our calendar. And I don't know if you're better or worse than me. I pray every day, but it was, I think, twice this week that I put it on my calendar and then stuck to it to do what Jesus commanded to do, even knowing the rewards that he describes, especially in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus left the noise in order to model and or in order to enjoy what he taught in the Lord's Prayer. When you pray, not just in public. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases. Don't just repeat the same words over and over. That's not an engaged mind. That's not a dynamic conversation. Pray then like this. And what I long for us to learn to do is not only schedule it, but then use the six parts of the Lord, Lord's Prayer to intimately cast our anxieties on the Lord. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus left the noise and the crowds I'm convinced in Luke chapter 11 that the reason that the disciples asked Jesus to pray was not because they hadn't heard the teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. I believe it had already happened and Luke 11 is the second version and Jesus teaches the same thing. But the reason that they asked him is they were used to seeing him get up from his times of prayer different. Not like forever changed or brighter or taller, but they could tell that his prayer mattered to him that it connected his mind and his emotions to the Father. All of these things are, are operating together 
to teach the disciples and those that were following listening to Jesus who he is and how to trust and follow him. When we say, give us this day our daily bread, hopefully our sense of that is strengthened knowing that Jesus fed vast multitudes of people more than once. One of the reasons I love this um, story, it's a sad story, but it's also a beautiful story, is because Jesus was tired both emotionally and physically, and he was still compassionate. Jesus was deeply grieved, and he was still kind. Jesus was probably hungry, and he was still patient with the disciples and the crowds. Isn't that what we long for? Our friends and loved ones, maybe even coworkers or the people in the grocery store that are right in our way and unaware of it? And we have to decide whether we're going to say something or not. And I'm not saying don't say something. I'm just saying don't we want to be kind and clear? That person sometimes me too because I forget something and have to go back, right? Isn't that what we long for? In our relationships? In this story where Jesus is trying to get alone and then feeds the multitudes... Matthew writes the story in a stylized way that would be lost, that, that I think is partially lost on us, but he's fully expecting every listener to see and hear a story that they were very familiar with from Exodus chapter 16. And they set out from Elim, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. This is the disciples grumbling against Jesus for not sending the crowds away. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, at evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. To Matthew and the disciples and many of those following Jesus, it was obvious when he fed the 5,000, this is an even greater Moses who is leading us out of a worse slavery to death, not into a physical land of milk and honey, but a real life, a life of life by trusting him. Through a wilderness of this life that is in this world that is still under the curse, where we can still receive peace and joy and righteousness, which is a guide to life which we need. That's Paul's summary of the kingdom in Romans 14, 17. They would immediately understand that Jesus is a better intermediary. While Moses was restoring people's communion with the Lord, Jesus does it more perfectly through his work on our behalf. And what that did was help them understand the gospel that he was preaching. That through him, their relationship with God is restored. Through him, 
life and love of God and neighbor is taught perfectly. But this is happening while Jesus is trying to grieve. Matthew 14 starts this way. This is the this that Simon read to us. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard about the fame of Jesus, and he said to his servants, this is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. For Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. And though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people because they held him to be a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod, so that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, she said, give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. And the king was sorry. But because of his oaths and his guests, he commanded it to be given. He sent and had John beheaded in the prison, and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl. And she brought it to her mother. His disciples came and took the body and buried it. And they went and told Jesus. Part of the reason I read you that story is we sometimes think of the Bible as this uh, out-of-touch religious text. And it can seem that way if it's preached mediocrely or poorly, which may be happening even as we speak. But it is actually a gritty, real book that exists in the real world just like the one today. Jesus needed some time to grieve. We see this repeatedly. Again, we only have 50 days of his life, and yet we see him lament over those in Jerusalem that didn't respond to his gospel. We see him weep when his friend dies, and we see him needing time to grieve with God about the death of his cousin. One of the ironies, I think, of grief is that many of us don't want to spend time in grief because we don't want to wallow in it, but by not wallowing in it, We don't allow it space in our lives. We don't allow it to happen. And then it kind of leaks out of our elbows onto others. Grief is part of life, which means it's part of prayer. Both in our request that God give us everything we need daily, in our request for protection and in our request that he return soon, but in the meantime, make our kingdom like his. We're asking for him to help us be sad about the things in our life that make us sad. Coming fully alive actually includes and necessitates that we learn to cast our anxieties on him, to cast our griefs on him. One of the ways that I, that I pray is to go through the Psalms and I've been highlighting the different stages of griefs in the Psalms. Most Psalms cover denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Almost all of them. And yet when we pray, we rush to thy will be done. And praying thy will be done is good. That is an important part of prayer. But humanly, it's essential to not rush there, but to spend time conversing with God about the, all of the things in our life. Jesus left the noise and the crowds to grieve 
and to converse with his father. A good friend of mine, a couple of years ago, um, had a heart condition that he needed to have surgery for. And um, surgery did not go well. He, he is doing well now, but surgery did not go well, and it was terrifying. I posted something on social media. A number of you prayed for him, which I appreciated. His name's Matt. He's church planting in Haverhill. And uh, the first time I got to see him, gas prices were about as high as they get, and we meet about halfway in between, and Rachel's like, do you want to talk to him on the phone? I was like, no, I don't want to talk to him on the phone. I want to give him a hug and say, I'm so glad you're doing better. And when we got to where we were meeting, we both sat down and got our phones out and kind of were distracted, right? No, we talked for as long as we were able to talk, a little over three hours, because he's the kind of friend where we just talk and talk and talk until we know we have to get home to be with our kids. And I'm not sure what all it is that makes our prayer lives boring or our prayer lives distracted. But Jesus's looked more like that conversation with my friend. And I'm longing for my prayer life to also look like that. And I'm longing for yours to also, which is why we're using the Lord's Prayer as a structure, but also looking at Jesus through Matthew's lens. And if your prayer life is not yet intimate, there's no shame in that. If you sense some right now, that's me failing you as a pastor because that's not Jesus' point. This is not about salvation. This is not about the love of God. This is about receiving the reward for communing with the Father who sees in secret and rewards you with joy and peace and righteousness. The gospel is never conditional. The gospel is Jesus received and then followed. If you feel guilty, that message is not from Jesus. And it's not from me. Though I might be, you know, rhetorically messing up and that's playing into it. The point that Jesus makes in Matthew 5 through 7, and then we see him leaving it out, is there are rewards even in this life. Even in this world that is still under the curse. Many of you wake up in the morning anxious. That's it for me. It's not at night. Some of you have trouble sleeping. And part of the reason, not all of it, but part of it is we do not go to Jesus the way that he both instructed us to, and then we see him going to the Father. Sometimes we are not as loving to the people in our lives as we would like to be, and part of the reason is we haven't spent time grieving that we need to for the sad things that have happened to us and around us. We are not always as patient as we wish to be. And part of the reason is we have not asked and sought and then persisted with God in prayer. Jesus said it this way, to motivate and encourage us simultaneously. This is in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. 
And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. When we trust Jesus and do as he commands, we are given a stability of soul. And that is a sweet reward that we ignore when we do not spend regular, intimate time with God. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you that you are patient and kind and loving towards us. We need so much correction and encouragement, conviction and hope. We praise you for your steadfast love. Jesus, we thank you for purchasing for us union with you through your work. I ask that you help us to remember to enjoy that in prayer, that we might be freed into the kingdom life you described over and over again. Holy Spirit, empower us to leave the noise that is everywhere threatening our sense of union with you. Help us to put on our calendar regular time with you that we might worship you do well the work you have us to do in this world and love well the people you've put into our lives. Amen.